podcast in the world from WWE to DNA Impact by way of the NWA. It's time for Reffin' It Up with legendary referee Brian Hepner and guest host, Mr. Reffin' Rant himself, Jimmy Corderas. An all new episode starts in this. Is revving it up. Welcome to Reffing Up with Brian Hebner. I am the man with the magical voice, RJ. They are the reason why everybody is here. First and foremost, the Mr. Ref and Rant himself, Mr. Jimmy Corderas. Mr. Brian Hebner, guys, pleasure to see you guys again this week. I've been looking forward to this all week, and here we are. Yeah, this is a, a definitely a big show this week. Aha! So see what I did see, there? See, 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 uh, see what see. I did there? Huh? Hey, huh? You, you, you're just not a pretty face, Jimmy. You're also... Uh, you got you got some you got something up top, too. Well, uh, according to Edge, I, I have the worst dad jokes in the world, but anyway... No, but hey, you know, somebody's got to do it, though. Somebody's got to do it. I think a lot of people are making money off a lot of those uh, dad jokes, too. So, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but uh, I wish I could, too. So, guys, before we get get rolling, (laughs) I I would like to take a few minutes uh, uh, on a slow note here before (laughs) we get going. I would like to touch on um, a very, very unfortunate, very, very unfortunate accident that happened in the wrestling industry. And actually, last week, as we were taping our show, it actually happened right as we were ending our telecast. Mm-hmm. Um, Jay Briscoe, unfortunately, is not with us any longer. And it was a very unfortunate and weird way to die. And we have lost a good one. And I got the utmost privilege privilege to have worked with him many times. And just a class act all the way. A believable character. Him and his brother were always very, very kind and sweet to me. And Jay was one of those guys that I was able to sit down in my locker room. And we actually sat beside one another on most of the events for Impact Wrestling. And, you know, we we didn't talk wrestling. That was what's, what's wild. And nobody would probably believe me. But we talked about our family and our kids. He was a huge family guy and a huge dad. I mean, he took dad to another level. And I made a tweet, and I meant every bit of it, about if you want to see a top-notch dad or something to the effect of what a real dad is, that's what he was, and that's what he was. I just think that sometimes in the wrestling world, I wish that we could celebrate guys before something tragic happens. Uh, I really do, because I think that these guys really, really, in my opinion, could be, if not are, one of the best tag teams that people, some people never knew. And I can just tell you, they were believable characters. When that red light was on and they were in that ring, I'm telling you, that was two crazy-looking guys, man. But outside that ring, they were the two nicest and best guys you've ever met. I also understand that Mark's going to try and move on and, and and has a match on Dynamite this week, tomorrow, as we tape tonight. Um, I, I'm praying for him to be able to pull through and get this done for his brother because I know that, you know, Jay was uh, very passionate about the business, very, very passionate. Mm-hmm. Just a very tragic thing, and I feel so so bad for his kids and his 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 wife and family. I just I don't even know how I would be able to take something like this because it's just so hard. It's just so hard. You're here today, gone tomorrow, and your kids' lives have changed forever. Your wife has changed forever. It's just 
so, so sad. And if, if any of you want to go and donate anything, I know that they said that there's a shirt that they've got coming out that all proceeds go to. I don't have the specifics and I apologize about that. Um, this is just kind of off the cuff here, but I just want to make sure to touch on that and just let everybody know that I really did care about that guy a lot. And he's going to be so, so missed as you can tell by all the tweets and all the things that came out from, from everybody, from all companies. Mm -hmm. So guys, if there's anything y'all want to touch on, you, you're more than welcome. And then we'll try and get on with our show. And um, once again, Jay, and uh, I love you, miss you, man. And to your family and your kids and, your wife, especially, uh, I'm praying for y'all. Yeah. So I'll put the uh, the link if you go to Pro Wrestling Tees right now and just search out Jay Briscoe. It's Jay Briscoe. Reach for the sky. Um, hundred hundred percent of the proceeds go to the benefit this family. Pretty cool looking shirt. Uh, and uh, yeah, it's. I'll put the link. The link mm -hmm. will be in the show notes, or excuse me, the um, yeah, the show notes episode notes here. Um, so go over, click that hundred percent goes there, but, um, yeah. also, and I'll send it over to you, Jimmy, after this, but if you want to go right. back, Brian and I did an episode on the Briscoe brothers, uh, back in July on the 27th of 2022. So if you head over there in the archives, check it out, you'll probably get a lot more information mm -hmm. that if you want to hear about what Brian thought a little bit more in depth now, yeah. about the both Briscoe brothers, check that out. So, yeah. um, um, Jimmy, no, I, no, I was, I was fortunate enough to meet meet them uh, and uh like like brian said really really good guy I, I didn't get to become as close as brian did but uh when my my interactions with him were were very pleasant like he was very it's, it was interesting because i did an roh show here in toronto uh border wars uh, back in 2012 where i refereed a match with lance storm and mike bennett and i got to meet the roh locker room then and both briscoe's uh jay and and uh mark uh, Treated, uh, made me feel welcomed you know as someone who had never worked in that company before they made me feel so welcomed and and you know not 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 trying to put myself over here but i got a nice re reaction from the crowd hometown crowd here where they you know very receptive and when i got to the back they says to me hey you're over kid you know and kind of like, <laughs> you know just it, it was just such a fun time and and every other time that i happened to run into him he was always so pleasant and respectful and uh um, my thoughts and prayers go out to his family and all his close friends and everybody. And, uh, you know, it's, it's sad that it takes something this tragic to bring the wrestling community together. But again, the wrestling community helps heal each other as well. Guys, I'm, I, I really appreciate it. I didn't mean to throw y'all a curveball there, but I just yeah. felt uh, very passionate that we, we do touch on this. And with that being said, I think that we should probably just take a minute here. Let's regroup and uh, let's get on with the show and head to count one. This is your one count. As we're recording, gentlemen, last night was the 30-year anniversary of Monday Night Raw. Man, it just seems like yesterday, boys. And uh, Jimmy, you were at the were you at the first one? No, uh, that was before I started attending the TVs regularly. So I wasn't. Uh, I really didn't get a chance to go to the Manhattan Center. They kept it close because you know. Uh, there were a lot of referees close by that didn't mm -hmm. have to be flown in or stuff like that and, and crew. So uh, they kept it to a minimum back then. But uh, once it started to hit the road, that's when I started to uh, to appear more more often on Raw and then later SmackDown. But Raw, uh, interesting show on Monday night, that's for sure, to say the least. Yeah, I, I'll tell you this. Um, I, I really, really thoroughly 
enjoyed most of the show. I really, really did. I thought it was uh, very entertaining. It kept me on. Um, I'm not normally one that will sit there and watch through commercials and everything, like not wanting to turn. And, and last night did that for me. So that was a big hit for them, and I really liked it. And I, I can tell you, the, the the opening segment really blew my mind away. It, it was mm-hmm. unbelievable. It was just really unbelievable. It was There was not a miss at all in that at all. It was just done so very freaking well. And, uh, wow, hats off to all those guys involved in that first segment. I mean, mm-hmm. wow. Yeah, you, you got to. I, I got to say that the, that storyline is the best storyline in all of pro wrestling right now. They're all knocking it out of the park. Sami Zayn's incredible. Roman Reigns is on another level. And even, you know, the Usos are everybody is just uh, even Solo, who's not saying anything. Right. Standing the in the background. Yeah, those facials are awesome. And uh, I know a lot of people say, well, that took up a lot of time. It doesn't matter. It was great television. Absolutely. It, and and the other thing I liked about the show overall too was it was a good, you know, go home show before the pay per view or premium live event this weekend. Seeing Canada is still a pay per view, so what can I say? <laughs> uh, you know, um, but it's, you know, going into the Royal Rumble, which which is one of my favorite pay per views of the year, this makes me want to tune in now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They, they 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 drew me in even more, and that's the goal, right? Well, and, and they still have another show on on Friday. Uh, they still got SmackDown Friday. They got NXT tonight, which they it'll be interesting to see, gentlemen, it, to see if there's going to be any type of NXT representation like there has been in years past. You know, are we going to get Rex or um, <laughs> Rex Steiner? I've, I I know it's not or Bronson um, uh, uh, Rick's boy there. Um, he's always, he's going to be Bron Breaker, Bron Breaker. There you go. And, uh, it'll be interesting to see that. And it's a good go home. Like you said, and what I saw from what I saw, uh, it, it, it flowed so well together. You know, obviously the opening segment there went a little late or a little long. So they had to cut back, unfortunately. So we didn't really get to see that. I was really looking forward to that cage match between Becky and and bailey but sometimes good things take a little bit of time it's good when it happens a little bit later who knows what we're going to see in the future with those two i i just man i you know what that was where i had to get up and go um check on dinner and i was coming back in hopes to seeing this cage match and all of a sudden they're in a commercial break and i'm like there's no way they went that quick to a commercial just started this match mm-hmm. so my timing was all jacked up and i'm wondering what's going on i come back the cage is up and they're moving on and i'm like what is going on i don't know how they did it honestly because i didn't see the segment but i, I can tell you what i what i what i know about it I, I don't agree with the way they did it uh that that was probably the big miss for the night i think mm-hmm. um jimmy I'm, I'm i know that you reviewed, reviewed the show and you can touch more on it but I, did you agree with how they handled because I, I, I certainly did not no, if anybody who watched my ref and ran for today, they know that I disagreed with the way they handled it. And yes, I understand there were some time issues. The opening segment took a little longer. Uh, you know, they needed to cut a little bit of time here and there. But there could have been other places that, that could have used the cut. Because here's a match that they advertised big time for this 30th anniversary Raw. So there was a lot of people t- tuning in wanting to see this. And uh, and maybe a, and also, obviously, a lot of people there live who wanted to see this. 
And yeah, people are going to say, well, a five minute cage match, at least five minutes inside the cage, having a match is part of a cage match. We didn't get a cage match at all. All we just got was a beat down. So mm. uh, I thought in that respect, uh, I don't want to say it was a loss, but it was a missed opportunity to have an important match for these ladies on television. Is that something that you guys would rather see instead of I, being a special show that it was being raw 30? I get it. Why they had it there. Is that something that you would rather see at say a Royal rumble or, you know, one of those paper where the pay-per-view between the Royal rumble and WrestleMania, where it kind of continues the story between them. What do you guys to, think about that? Well, well, to me, it doesn't matter where I see it. To me, it's this. As Jimmy touched on, which was a wonderful way to touch on it because it makes so much sense. It was billed so big for this show. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't happen. So, I mean, if you wanted to do Royal Rumble, then don't advertise it, don't do it. But don't right. just cut it all the way out. I mean, I, yes, I'm like Jimmy. I'd rather see a five-minute match and let's do some swerving in that so everybody sees them in the cage, locked up, doing their thing. I don't know. It, it, it just it, it, That was really weird to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I definitely get that. And uh, something I, I did enjoy too is the the um, the poker game backstage. Uh, <laughs> with the uh, I, I just loved how it, it pops me every time. I don't know how many times I see it; it still pops me. You actually have to walk through the door of the APA office to go into the room and the club. I'm like, man, that's freaking awesome. Our boy JBL there; he's been on the show a couple times. It's man, it's just great to see him back on WWE TV. No, he, 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 Jimmy. I'm sorry. I, no, he, go. he doesn't get old at all. Like, he, like in other words, he doesn't. The appearance and just him in general on TV. Mm-hmm. I can watch that man. I swear to you. Give him two segments with just talking. I don't care. He's just the most entertaining guy. I, he, I swear. And I was popping huge. Literally sitting in my chair, popping when Ron and him were together and Godfather. That was just magic to me it really was and for people that are younger and don't remember all this stuff you need to go back and check this shit out because i'm telling you man that was a i don't know it was was very entertaining jimmy and i know me and you were right there when all this stuff was going on with the apa and godfather it was just awesome to see and just so they played off each other so well what a what another great you know part of the show Mm -hmm. it it was fun that my my only wish was that they could have done more with the legendary superstars that were there out in front of the audience uh, instead of just in the backstage area. I know that they said that during commercial breaks, they were introducing them out in the crowd live. But oh. at the same time, there were a lot of people watching on television, uh, you know, over 2 million people watching on TV that wanted to see them as well. And maybe maybe just acknowledge them, have them out on the stage, give them a quick introduction, let them get their applause, and that's it. Uh, again, but time restraints, I guess, uh, <laughs> prevented that from happening. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's what happens with a lot of these anniversary shows, whether they're SmackDown anniversaries that we've had in the past or the Raws or what have you. I'm I'm surprised that, you know, they they keep it as close to the cuff as possible as much as they do, because it's just you go out, you get you go, go, go. Um, but, yeah, it was great to see. Um, was there anything that you guys wish you would have seen more of or somebody else that you wish you would have seen? I know there's been there was a lot of scuttlebutt. I say that because I bring up the whole scuttlebutt that the Bellas had the comment online today. I'm sure you guys have seen it. If you not, go back and look at it. 
basically saying that there should have been more involvement with the women superstars from the past your twishes your leaders your molly hollies so on and so forth um was there uh, uh, you can either comment on that or just anybody else that you would have liked to see there last night no, you can you can you can make an entire list of of people mm-hmm. that you say, oh my goodness, I wish so and so was there. I mean, we didn't get to see Booker, we didn't get to see um, Mick Foley, mm-hmm. for example, or and stuff like that. There's a lot of people and a lot of women who could have, uh, you know, who or deserve to be there or earn the right to be there. But uh, again, you only have a finite amount of time, and even and with the people they had last night, they barely got them all <laughs> on, on your TV. television right. screen. Exactly. So trying to squeeze in more, I get it, but just to have them there, just to be there without, you know, utilizing them, I don't know. It's it's a tough call. It's a tough call. You know, wishful, wishful thinking, but if you go back to the segment with DX, um, which was another great segment, in my opinion, I, I, at first I didn't like it because Kurt was there and I didn't understand why he was there. <laughs> and then once I figured it out, it was actually pretty freaking <laughs> cool. But the spot where I was probably delusional was when Triple H said he couldn't make the call to sign the match. Mm -hmm. And for a second, I mean a millisecond, I swear I thought Vince was coming out. Mm -hmm. I really did. I wasn't let down because my boy, my player, Teddy Long came out. (laughs) But I I thought the segment was well done, but I but, but for a seg like just a millisecond, I, I, that would have been a perfect spot for that if that was ever going to happen. But man, I was kind of like kind of wishing to be honest with you, just to throw everybody a wrench. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So if you if you want to hear a good Teddy Long story, I believe that was our JBL JBL episode we had Brian when we had him on talk about the car ride with him and uh, Ron, I believe. So head yeah. back to our episode on JBL, you'll hear that there. Um, but before we head to our second count, I want to talk about uh, our great sponsor of the show this week, uh, Underdog Fancy Boys. I didn't tell you this because I wanted to have actually save it for the show. This past Saturday, I actually profited. I went all in. I made a $30 bet on the uh, the, um, the Pickums, and I profited 300 bucks. Well, you didn't pick awesome. them anybody with the Buffalo Bills. I did not. Actually, <laughs> the, actually, the games that I did, I actually lost those. So... You You guys, too, can do that. If you head over, download the Underdog Fantasy app on the App Store or Google Play. Use the promo code REFIN. That's R-E-F-I-N. You'll receive 100% deposit matchup to $100. Like I said, I tried to pick them, the high and lows. You can draft your own roster. You got, you know, the championship games are this weekend. You got NBA. They got hockey. They got golf. Uh, You know, there's a lot more good stuff coming, I've been told. So, Guys, I know you've tried it, and uh, I don't know how much success you've had. I know Brian, you've done it quite a bit, Jimmy, as well. But God, just one of those uh, one of those things. Yeah, it, it it's it's always fantasy sports season. It, it's a wonderful, okay. wonderful app. It really is. Uh, it, it's it's easy to use, easy to navigate, and mm-hmm. for somebody like me, it's kind of easy to win money too. Um, RJ's finally hit something, so uh, I'm, I'm, I'm 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 sitting on that until at least baseball season. Oh, just oh, there you on. go. <laughs> no, I'm joking. No, I won't. <laughs> I'll probably lose it all by then. <laughs> uh, but no, what a, what a wonderful thing. And you guys need to go out and try it if you haven't. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And even for all of you up in Canada, try this out. Yes. 
Yeah, there's there's for, for all you wonderful hockey. You know, hockey's global now, not just in Canada. Yeah. And, and mm-hmm. there's that's it seems to be a little bit more difficult for me. I don't know why, but they have like they have like shots on goal. They have like for goalies, they have how many shots you're going to stop. I'm like, mm. hey, whatever, try it, try it. Use Glorify. a promo code. You'll definitely it's definitely worth it. Um, something else that's definitely worth it. I know you guys have a lot of experience and a lot of um. Uh, stories about the topic this week the big show aka uh, aka paul white we'll call him big show here because you guys worked with him as big show um but let's send it up to the second count and uh we'll get uh talking about him this is your two count the gentleman the big show this week guys um a lot of uh a lot of good stories i'm sure but when was the first time you guys really saw him? I know Jimmy, you probably saw him first and there in WCW before he came in in uh in '99. Um I, obviously he's one of those guys that it's hard to miss, <laughs> obviously. No, oh, how do you miss a guy who's that that big? I mean, yes, uh, we saw him at, on in WCW uh before he came up to WWE and always thought that you know what, this guy's got something. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't know if the, you know, as always, you think if he was over here with us, how would he better be utilized mm-hmm. than, than the way they're utilizing him down there? It was, uh, you know, it's always like, oh, come on over here. You could probably do a better job here. And, and uh, you know, when he finally did come over and got to meet him, good dude. I always got along with uh, Big Show slash Paul White all the time. And he was very 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 friendly to me except for the one time he chopped me but other than that uh we'll get to that later (laughs) well i i i gotta say this um as rick ross would say that's a big motherfucker right there (laughs) (laughs) and 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 i'm not live so whatever but no my uh for me uh jimmy you were actually there but i don't know if this was the first time you ever had um uh, face-to-face kind of talking, you know, stuff with, he came in our card room on his first loop and we were playing cards. I'm not sure if you were at the table or not. And he wanted to know what we were playing. He had never heard or knew how to play Beale Street. Oh. And this is when we were able to smoke ciggies in the back, in the, in the locker room and stuff. And then he lit up and that cigarette looked like a little, I don't know what it looked like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it looked like the yeah. butt, uh, the butt yeah. of a cigarette. <laughs> And he had a Coke can in his hand that looked like a little V8 can. It was just, I I was in awe by his size and I was very intimidated by him. But I quickly found out that he was a gentle giant, a gentle giant. And once again, we'll get the stories and stuff. But that was my first like interaction with him face to face where we actually talked and got to know each other. Hey, da, 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 da. It was, it was amazing. He he really kind of loved us all that were at that table from, from that moment. He hated Chimmel, but we all did. <laughs> well, I, you know, it's funny because we, we always rip on Chimmel. And I don't know if he hated Chimmel, but he loved to rip on Chimmel. That's like everybody else. That's for sure. He <laughs> got on really quick on that. <laughs> yeah, he really well, I, I think that's a handful of people from there. But um, so for for context behind it, what is Beale Street, the card game? It's It's a card game of Trump where it's played usually with four people. Okay. And, you know, you, you deal, you start by dealing out the entire deck to, you know, there's a Trump, dedicated Trump, and you try to win hands. And, and uh, 
I could go into great detail on how to play, but it is it's it's a form of Trump, basically. And mm-hmm. you 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 deal out, I want to say twenty six hands. I don't think whatever it is. And at the end, the, the one with the most points obviously wins. And and you, it's for money. And you, it was how much a point? Was uh, it? it was ten cents a point. Ten cents a point. And it, like for example, if you lost by a hundred points, you know they're, they're, that's ten bucks. Yeah. You know what I mean? It so, wasn't. It wasn't. We didn't have. We didn't do it big stakes uh, like right. that. It was. Right. It was fun. I mean, you could lose. You know, five bucks, ten bucks, twenty bucks. That was about the max. But yeah. the thing was, you would start with thirteen and work your way down to one, and yeah. then you go back from one and go back to thirteen. And mm-hmm. your object, your objective is to call your books that you want and be as accurate as you can be to to get the max amount of points, but also try and set someone to mm-hmm. not get their books. Right. It's it's a really fun game and it was a very addictive game in the WWF slash WWE days because mm-hmm. everyone got involved in it. Everyone. Mm-hmm. Uh we played it on planes. We I mean it was everywhere. It was unbelievable. And it was a it's it was the, the I would say the global game for wrestling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I remember when I, I played D three lacrosse in um in college and we ended up playing on road trips. We'd take bus trips, you know, a couple hours here and there, and we'd play um Euchre on the on the bus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so it, it sounds something similar to that where you have the trumps and all that stuff and you got to win by points and hands and what have you um but yeah but that that that's one of the things that i really wish would have come back because nowadays you know you see a lot of the boys and girls that are playing you know video which is each their own i'm not gonna mm-hmm. knock it they're playing video games backstage but you're not gonna see the gay days of you know, you got the you got the Hebner boys back there, Corderas, the JBL, Big Show, Timmy White back there playing cards mm-hmm. and smoking cigars and all that stuff. And man, I just just to be a fly on the wall of some of those uh, <laughs> some of those get-togethers, man. I'd you, you could probably write a book oh. about it. Well, the thing with Big Show was this, Jimmy. You'll know, you'll remember this. How could you forget? He would know he was going to get set, and he knew that you knew you were setting him, and he would look at you. Mm-hmm. He would say, you motherfucker. And then as he got set, he would take that big fucking hand of his and he'd smack the table. And I mean, everything oh. would come off, mm-hmm. off the table mm-hmm. and he wouldn't clean it up either. Not at all. No. He was so mad. He would, he would be mad at you like for the day, like for the, like for, mm-hmm. for a couple hours and he would be mad. And I would be like, big show. Well, da, 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 da. Fuck you. Hebner. You set me. Mm-hmm. Fuck you. You made me lose that game. <laughs> but that, that I mean that's a big show and you never had to yeah. take it to heart you yeah. know you just the guy was passionate about the game mm-hmm. so so we really had it, the competition really went backstage to the card games obviously being the oh, yeah. competitor that he was in the ring oh yeah definitely and and going back to in the ring here's a guy that his size not only was he something to look at he was also uh very athletic for his size here's a guy yeah. who played basketball you know what I mean in in, in school and and he comes in and he learned quickly that he you know when to utilize that uh, uh, special movement that he had for a guy his size. He didn't overdo it. He only did it sparingly, and that's one of the things he learned quickly from listening to a lot of the other. And that's the other thing too. He listened to everybody. It wasn't like he came in with the attitude like he knew it all and uh, hey, I'm a big guy, I could do whatever I want. He listened to everybody. I you know like in uh, Taker was his mentor. When he came to WWE, you know, and another thing, Jimmy, I, you know, I don't think you'll remember this as well. You know, when he came in, he was one of the highest paid guys that came into this company. Hmm. Um, and there was a lot of resentment for a lot of guys. And he did very, very well to reflect that resentment. Hmm. 
Um, they paid him big money to bring him in and get him away from WCW. And believe me, me and him had long, lengthy conversations. And he had he had a you know a pretty good rough go at, a, at at first with some of your uh bigger stars at that point. But hey, man, he ended up being a favorite where everybody just loved the guy. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. hats off to him. It just shows you right there what kind of guy he was. Yeah, because he ended he ended up playing basketball at Wichita State. Um, mm-hmm. He transferred to a couple other schools, but it, it's it's interesting to see the the uh, career trajectory of guys like Big Show, and even when we bring up Kevin Nash, because Nash played basketball at Tennessee. They're two of the bigger men, better bigger mm-hmm. men of the of, of wrestling history. Uh, and you know, they, and even they worked a lot together in WCW yeah. there before you know before show got to the um to uh wwe but mm-hmm. just to see a lot of this stuff that he's been through he was the first person because i don't think anybody's done it obviously I have not since is he won the wcw title wwe title and the ecw title heavyweight mm-hmm. titles right the only guy to do that because and they won, and they, didn't he also win the wcw tag and wwe tag yeah mm-hmm. yeah yeah yeah, so, he's a, yeah, he, that's that's amazing. Yeah, it goes to show you that. And the thing is, though, too, what I've always have found interesting, and in, it goes to show you the character—not wrestling character, but the actual person, person character of Big Show—is mm-hmm. you could put him on press tours. You could put him, send him to ESPN. You could send him to Regis and Kathy Lee, for example, or any of these good good morning Americas. And he could represent the company so well too. And you can't say that about a lot of people in the wrestling business. Right. Yeah. And, and, you know, the obvious comparison that everybody made with, with show with Paul was to Andre the giant. And that was the one uh, setback or drawback with Andre is because his, uh, you know, his ability to speak English was, I don't want to say limited, but it, it, he, he wasn't as eloquent, let's put it that way, as Big Show. Big <laughs> Show can talk, man. He was, yeah. a, he was a hell of a talker. And when you did an interview with him, uh, he sounded intelligent, too. He was. He, I don't want to say he, he sounded like he was. He was a smart guy. And he sounded like a smart guy. And you and you had a different perception of him when you saw him in interviews where he talked. And you go, oh, wow. Not only he's a big dude, he's a smart dude. Yeah, yeah, I agree. See, there's another thing, too, that, you know, you look at Andre. Okay, Andre was literally, and I'm I'm hoping I'm not making anybody mad. I don't mean to either. He was an attraction. Mm-hmm. He was the biggest probably attraction of all time, really. Well, Big Show was an attraction with athletic ability. So he was in wow and attraction because of his size. But like Jimmy had touched on earlier, the guy could go, man. Dude, you don't go to a D1 school such as Wichita. Wichita State and play college basketball if you're not freaking athletic. I mean, come on. Kevin Nash, like you said, went to Tennessee. These are major D1 schools. Yeah. So, I mean, come on. You just don't get on there and play basketball at D1 at that level if you don't have some sort of athletic ability. So, that that mm-hmm. there just tells you. So, that, would, to me, would be the way that I would weigh Andre the Giant versus mm-hmm. Big Show. I, I just, you know, both attractions, one with athletic ability, one with not. Do you think that that – you know, because I think WCW did it more than um, than WWE did. But the comparison to Andre, do you think that hurt him in his career, or do you think that he tried to make the best out of the situation? Well, of course he did try to make the best out of the situation, but at the same time, 
I don't think that people bought into it. But yeah. the, the one thing is, you know, with his hair, the way he had it in WCW, you could say, well, he kind of looks a little bit like a, a taller, slimmer Andre. But at the same time, I don't think people bought it. You know what I mean? I don't, I don't know how to explain it any different than that. Yeah. They didn't right, buy right. in. Yeah, you're, I mean, Jimmy, you're right. That, but but I don't I think that he would he would have I think that I've never talked to Big Show about this, uh, but I'm. Sure, he probably didn't mind the rub. I mean, how do you not like being uh, getting a rub off of Andre the Giant and being introduced to the wrestling world in that way? Uh, you sure. know, so I don't. I'm not saying it didn't work and nobody believed it. But, you know, you're smart people. They, they probably didn't believe it. You're right, but there's a lot of people that were probably like, "Wow, is he really? That's mm -hmm. crazy." You know what I mean? And everyone knew who Andre the Giant was, so that's. I don't think it was a bad tactic, in my opinion, to to attack it that way entering the business. So 1995, he wins WCW title. Do you think too early for him? Do you think he should have, you know, they should have waited a little bit of time? Obviously, that's something we go back and watch now on the network. Mm -hmm. um, but you know, it, it's something that, hey, is this the right time? I don't think anybody knows if it's the right time until you actually do it, though. Am I wrong? I I, I, I can't I can't answer that to be honest with you. I, I, in 1995, I was not really watching a lot of WCW, so I don't know what they had there to be different on it. I mean, I'm just being honest. Uh, I just don't think that I know enough about that to say whether that was the right move or not. Are you insinuating or asking because he was still real green? Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, well, I don't, I, I don't know. I, you know, I, I don't know how to answer that. I don't know if it was too early or not. I really don't. I think they were just probably trying to take the guy's strengths and trying to push him to the moon and make him a big star quickly because they may have needed stars. I, I guess would be my assessment. I don't know that though. Mm. That that would be my guess too, Brian. That that makes the most sense as to why uh, they probably accelerated the process. Let's put it that way. And sure. did it did it work? Did it not work? It's debatable. And look, it, it's a tough call. Yes, was he? Um, relatively new to the industry and was maybe he wasn't ready for that lofty position and as someone who could uh you know uh, lead the organization because when you when you become the the top guy in in your company you're actually leading the company you're, you know people look to follow you so maybe maybe it was in one sense too soon for him but at the same time they want to capitalize on something and and, and make it a statement and it did catch people's attention that's for sure absolutely you know, it's something that really caught a lot of people's attention growing up and watching it too was, you know, he's getting put tagging with guys like Ric Flair. And yeah. it's just one of those things. And like I said, I can't speak for him, but even just, just for my being watching it for wrestling as long as I have, that's got to be like, oh crap kind of moment. I'm, I'm, I'm tagging with Ric Flair against Hogan and, and Nash or whomever. Um, but yeah, it's just, obviously they're strapping the rocket to him at this point, um, having him go with flair, you know, wrestling a lot of these guys. Of course. And, and you talk about some of the greats ever and who better to learn from. And like I said, he was a guy who was like a sponge. He wanted to learn and, uh, you know, having, you know, saddle up beside Ric Flair of all people to learn from. And like you said, on the other side, you have guys like Hogan and Nash and all these other people, uh, you know, other big men too, that mm -hmm. he could learn from and, and tell him, you know, and kind of guide him. So, you know, it was, it was a smart strategy on that standpoint, at least anyways, in my opinion.
Mm-hmm. And I bet it, I bet he feels pretty lucky too, because you know, like you said, Jimmy, you know, he he had the 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 basic. I don't know, man. Best wrestling life ever, man. He worked with Paul and Nash, Hogan, Randy Savage, Sting, uh, Ric Flair. I mean, he's worked with all the good ones. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it's just, you know, obviously Big Show's not on our show. We can't ask any of these questions, but you know he's got to feel blessed, man. He's got to be. I mean, I know I would, and, I, and I've worked with everyone I just named, and I, mm-hmm. I'm blessed. So I can only imagine how he is, but to be with programs and tag partners and things like that. Mm-hmm. So the, the 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 guy, the guy was uh really lucky too when WCW, and I know he's got to feel that way because I'm sure you're going to touch on RJ at, at some point. Wasn't he recognized and gotten called out for wrestling for as being a bodyguard or or a bouncer? Yeah, that was actually before he you know really got into the business. That was one of his jobs where he was. You know, he was a bouncer in a lot of these yeah. clubs. He was, he pretty much did everything and anything to get, to get noticed uh, after he played basketball there. And then um, I think he really got noticed there by, uh, you know, that old adage is, you know, friend of the show, Mike Kyoto saw him on TV and sent it over to Pat Patterson there. <laughs> hey, we got to sign this guy. He's look at him, and you know Vince is like, oh, okay, okay, and he's and ne- never saw it, and then kind of just slipped through the cracks. So I tell you what, if I ever have a place that I want bounced, that would be the perfect guy for that. Good God, geez. could you imagine walking into a place that you think you want to do something in, and that big guy, some bitch is standing at you and looking at you? I ain't doing it. Rethink things, that's for sure. <laughs> turn, yeah. turn turn around and walk to the next bar down the street. <laughs> <laughs> um. But no, it's just one of those things, too. It's like towards the end of his run here with WCW, I want to touch on this because, you know, he's flipping and flopping. He's part of the NWO. Then he's not part of the NWO. Then he's on his own. Then he's part of the. I just. I hate to say it, but I really don't think they knew what to do with him towards the end here. Well, that was the problem. There was too much turning back and forth. So that's how that's how it felt. Yeah. That oh do we do we keep him babyface do we keep him heel do we keep people guessing what he's going to be this week you know and that that doesn't work you need to establish establish yourself on one side of the fence or the other to get over with the audience either as a heel or as a babyface once you keep flipping flip flopping that's when people start losing interest mm-hmm. I was I was just getting ready to say that Jimmy that's I was just getting ready I didn't want to cut you off that's why I didn't do it but and then you hit, did you say what I said uh but but no that's when people lose interest and don't care about your character because they don't know what to think of it anyway because it's been flopped and flipped so many times. Mm-hmm. Perfect. I mean, yeah, that was what I was just going to say. Awesome. So we'll fast forward here to 99. Uh, Big Show officially signs a 10-year contract with WWE Woo! On, on February 9th, 1999, debuting under the name Paul White as a member of Vince McMahon's stable, the corporation, at St. Valentine's Day Massacre. Um, I don't think I've seen, and I, I like I said, it's all subjective at this point. I don't think I've seen a better debut than him coming up from underneath the ring in 99 no, there. I, I can't argue that. No, no, and, it, it was, yeah. Oh, yeah, it, was, it was, no, sorry. It was shocking to see a guy that big come out from under the ring. And you know what? They, the finish to that match, if I'm not mistaken, was, you know, show taking Austin and throwing him through the cage. Mm-hmm. 
if I'm not mistaken, and Austin hitting the floor, thus winning the match. So technically, you know, Austin wins, the babyface wins. He didn't help Vince win the match, but at the same time, he did, they didn't lose any steam on either yeah. side. You know, it yeah. just helped further the story even more. Yeah, and, and the only thing that I really, I thought that was weird because it's just the reaction. It's like, it's one of those like, okay, who's who's this guy kind of reaction? Oh, he's just another big guy. And I think that's something that, unfortunately, I think, you know, Vince has always been, and you stay me, correct me if I'm, I'm wrong, but he's always been one of those big, he wants those big jacked up guys, the muscular guys, the tall guys instead. And I think he kind of went away from that later on. We know with your Rays and Daniel Bryan's and all that stuff, but he pretty much shows the, you know, the prototypical Vince guy, right? I mean, yeah, and that's why I was kind of shocked when you brought up the uh, Kyoto bringing it to Pat Patterson and Vince throwing it under the rug. You would have thought that that would have been like deer in headlights with fucking alarms and shit going off, going, Jesus, Jesus. <laughs> you know? But, uh, yeah, no, prototypical type for, for Vince McMahon, for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's just, you see the reaction, I'm like, do you – you know, Jim, because Jimmy, that was before you really on. Were you there at that same at that pay per view? Um, I want to say I was. I, I kind of, you know, like I said, too many ref bumps it's... over the years, so I, it's hard <laughs> to remember which all the shows that I was actually attended. But I want to say that I was there for that. What, what do you remember the date? It was a Saint February, 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 February nine, ninety nine. Yeah, ninety nine. I believe I was there. Some Jimmy, you had there for that Jimmy, you had to be there. Yeah, yeah, I was there for that. Let me look it up real quick. Uh, well, real wait, quick see I may have. Wait a minute. I may have been manning the door on that match. If I'm not. Oh, hold yeah, you, could... you were there, Jimmy. I, I actually started full time in '99. Oh, okay. So that was at the Pyramid in Memphis, Tennessee. Tennessee, yeah. Actually, that did. It was almost wow, nineteen thousand, and that's mm. in the arena for that. Yeah, that's because they didn't have the big screen back there blocking off one section. It was kind of like <laughs> a, a simple entrance. <laughs> So yeah, that was um that was the main event. You had uh, Vince and Steve, uh, Austin in the cage, mm-hmm. and they actually had this was the last man standing match with Rock and Mankind previous oh, to it. Yeah, okay. So that was the famous match of that, and it's just like, oh man, that's right. Just to go back and look at this card now, it's like you got guys, you know, we Al Snow that was on the show in a hardcore match mm-hmm. with Bob Holly. You know, Vale Venus and Shamrock Corporation and DX. It's just mm-hmm. WWE F at that time in 99. It's just like, oh, man, you just look back and oh, well, oh man. And it, mm-hmm. if there was any time that Big Show would have fit in, this was the time. I think 99 was a perfect time for him to come in to the company. Times have changed, yeah. boys. Times have changed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> absolutely. That's for sure. Um uh, but do you think, and I'll go off of that. Do you think, you know, I, like I said, 10 year deal with, with, with big show here in 99, you know, I, is that the inclination that Vince basically said, okay, let's go guy. Come on. Let's sh- show me what you got kind of thing. Well, that like, like Brian alluded to, that's another reason why a lot of the talent had an issue with them because who else had a 10 year contract in the WWE? Mark Henry. Uh, other, other, yeah, exactly. Other than Mark Henry, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> that, that was, if I'm not mistaken, that was after a show, though. It was. Yeah. It was. Yeah. yeah. So at that time, it, it was unheard of to have a contract like that. So everybody's like, what, 10-year deal for how much money? 
So, you know, obviously it rubs, ruffled some feathers, but at the same time, you know, Vince believed in him. And uh, like you said, his debut was as a member uh, of Vince's, you know, the corporation there, the corporation there. Uh, Do you, uh, there had to be nerves coming into this. You know, I I don't know if it's documented that he, he spoke about this before, but you know, we talked about, you know, he's working with Flair. He's working with Hogan, Savage, Nash, all these great guys staying in WCW, but, but you're on the big, in the big leagues now, so to speak. And, you know, do you think that he was still, you know, learning a lot more as he got in there? You know, did, was there anybody, like you mentioned Taker, was there anybody there to really you know, take him under his, under their wing to kind of coach him along? Or was he kind of like, all right, let's go kind of throw him into the deep end. No. I, I, I feel like this. I feel like I, that he grew as a professional wrestler when he left WCW and came to WWE. I really do. Um, someone that put him under his wing or under their wing, should I say, um, who really loved and adored that guy was The Undertaker. And he got a lot, a lot, a lot of advice, should I say, and pointers and things of that nature from The Undertaker. And the Undertaker, in my opinion, protected this guy through the bitterness that people had towards him. I believe that that was the guy that stopped it and and, and didn't allow anything, you know, shenanigan wise to go on for a guy who just honestly signed a ten year contract. It's not his fault. You want him to not sign it? I mean, go on. So the the wrestling game for him, his mat skills, his mic skills. All that stuff, I believe, came into fruitation in the WWE. That's where he became a star, a bigger, a bigger version of the Big Show, if that's possible. Yeah, absolutely, I absolutely agree. And, and Brian, there'd be little things like sometimes you'd be a fly on the wall when he, when Taker would be talking to Show, and and he would give him some advice in a match. For example, like you say, you sold a little bit too much for so and so because you know you or remember, yeah, you're a giant. You know, it's okay to sell at certain times, but you know, like the coaching he got was just a one. No doubt. No doubt. I, I just think that the WWE with who he was under leadership wise or, or under the, the guidance of, he became a better wrestler. I just think he did. I think he became mm-hmm. a better wrestler. There was times, Jimmy, you remember those matches that he would do when he would do luchador? Oh my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> it was He'd pull out these moves like you'd go, wait a minute. Big Show did that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> he, he, it, was, it was utterly incredible. But at the same time, like I said earlier, he picked his spots. It wasn't like he went out there and just did it to do it. He did it to, and, and let it breathe, let it materialize, let the people go. Get, gave them time to go, holy, you know, you know what? <laughs> yeah. You meant holy shit. I got you. No, no, I was <laughs> gonna, I was gonna go further than that, but that's okay. <laughs> oh, okay. yeah, but you know me, so, I, I, I try to keep my language to a minimum. Yeah. <laughs> me too. But it's just correct me if I'm wrong. Did he end up doing a, a moonsault in WWE, or was that WCW? I, don't I remember. Remember was I don't know if it was a moonsault. I remember him doing something off the top rope. I'm pretty sure I, I, it was probably WCW. I remember him doing a splash. Mm-hmm. I don't remember yeah, but this, yeah. 
I might be thinking of somebody else though, but I, I, I know just the high flying moves. I compared a lot for being a big man, a lot of the stuff that Vader did too. Mm-hmm. That with oh, Vader I, doing a moonsault. Yeah, but if you put those two guys together side by side, it, it looks it obviously yeah. looks more impressive coming from from a guy like like Show because he was so much bigger than Vader. Not saying that Vader wasn't a big guy, right? But Show, but Show was huge, right? So, Jimmy, I wanted seeing him in the AEW uh, brand right now in the promotion. Mm-hmm. Him and Mark Henry are over there, two of the bigger men in the company that worked a lot in WWE. I think that that is the right spot for both of them, in my opinion, because they get to teach what they, you know, did or did not get taught when they came in of how to work as a big man mm-hmm. because you got your guys down there. So you got Sat and them sing there. Um, you got, you know, Wardlow. He's not like big, like, you know, tall wise, but he's, you know, he's a big jacked up dude. You got Brian mm-hmm. cage down there. And it's one of those things where they can, you know, disperse their knowledge of the business. No, absolutely. And, and the two, two great guys to learn from, but at the same time, they have to, the, the ones getting this, absorbing this knowledge from guys like big show and Mark Henry, need to want to, uh, you know, learn from them. Because I I, I I, can't speak because I'm not there, but it just seems to me that they have such great minds backstage at AEW, but are the talent listening to these great minds? Because it seems sometimes when I'm watching their program, it's like, oh, but Arn Anderson's there. He's the greatest, one of the greatest tag teams of all time. Do they not listen to him? You know, stuff like that. So as long as they're listening and absorbing and applying this knowledge, then I'm okay with it. And here's what I think. I, I don't know, in my opinion, if they're being utilized properly. I really don't. Um, you know, you, all you see now, now, once again, Jimmy, I'm not there either. Okay. So I've been over there and I've checked things out and I really don't see a whole lot of what you're referring to, to be honest with you. I really don't. I'm not saying it's not going on. So I don't want anybody to call me out for it. I, I don't know that it's not going on. I haven't seen it. I physically hung out with Big Show and had dinner with him and everything when I was over there. Uh, but and Mark, I never saw except in catering and then saw him again in the hotel. But anyway, mm-hmm. long story short, I just hope that they are utilizing them. And, and, and they're obviously paying them something because they're still there. Yeah. And, if, and you're right, Jimmy. If they are able to utilize them and get their knowledge – Yes, that can help. But I just, you know, I just don't know if that's happening, like you said, because there's there's some things that you watch on the show that are mom boggling. And you're just wondering, they can't be listening to Arn Anderson. They can't be listening to whoever it may be. You know what I mean? So I don't know. Right. Do you think, uh, you know, to piggyback off of that is, do you think that's something WWE should really, uh, you know, put attention to is getting bringing in somebody like Christ, for example, like a Kevin Nash bringing him into, you know, NXT or bringing him to the main roster and, you know, sitting there and talking with guys uh, like Omos and talking to those bigger guys and how you really work, how you sell, how you do this, how you do that as a big man. Because, you know, Stan, if I'm correct, correct me if I'm wrong, but, you know, obviously, Jimmy, you watch a lot of Raw for for Wrestling Inc. and and Brian, you watch a lot of Raw for the show, but... these guys, hopefully the longevity, they want to be able to work the right way. Absolutely. And don't get me wrong. I'm not saying, uh, 
that you have to be a big man another to teach another big man yeah. you can learn from guys like an arnett like look for example you talk about nxt take someone like a william regal yeah who's who's a really really knowledgeable man about this business and could tell tell a big man how he should how he thinks the big man should present himself in the ring and how he should, uh, you know, utilize certain moves or whatever the case may be. So it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to be a big guy in order to teach a big guy, but there are successful big men who use a successful method that could pass that knowledge along. And, and maybe a guy like a Kevin Nash could uh, be brought in in that case, if he's willing to, you know, uh, go down to the performance center or wherever to teach these big guys, you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, there's a, there's another equation to this too. You got to remember, you get a Kevin Nash in there, you get a Big Show in there, you get a Mark Henry in there. I bet you got a pretty thick pay uh, pay, pay payroll right there. So yeah, at some point true. you gotta wonder, you know, is the person gonna really bring the money that they want? Yeah, but that's okay. that's here or there. I'm just sitting there thinking about cha ching cha ching cha ching as we talk about this. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that a lot of wrestling fans that have followed the big show's career have always noticed that it's the constant flip and flop face and heel face and heel. The first time I remember really seeing it happen was WrestleMania 15. Um, You know, he's facing mankind to be the special referee for the main event with, um, with Austin and rock. And, you know, he, he knocks out mankind completely. And then, you know, Vince is like, what the hell are you doing? Slaps him. So then he punches him. So he turns face here. It's like, okay, now we're starting to see that, you know, maybe that's okay. New paint, new paint of coat or whatever. And um, it's just a matter of, okay, is this going to be the right move? You know, do you think that, you know, he was ready to go out on his own, so to speak, after this little run here with the corporation? Yeah, why not? I, I mean, as long as it doesn't happen too frequently, like like it was happening in WCW, like I said, it, it, it felt like they were flipping a switch every, you know, uh, every so often. And take your time, let it absorb, let it sink in, let the fans get drawn into it. Let's say he goes from a heel to babyface. Let them jump on board. Let them climb aboard the ship, the babyface train, and 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 ride that and take a good long ride on it. And if you're going to turn him heel down the road, take your time doing it. But at the same time, don't. Sometimes it's better not to let them see it coming. Yeah. You know, let it pop out of nowhere. And then I, you can always explain it afterwards as to why it happened. Yeah. And I, and I agree. I mean, the, the thing is that I, I was going to touch on this in the, in the third count now, and, and I'll try and hold off as best I can without going into it, but I'm not sure how well utilized he was in either company. To be quite honest, I had different visions for the for for what they could have or should have done. I'm not a booker. I'm not a writer. But sometimes I feel like, fuck, maybe I should be. I don't know. <laughs> but I just felt like they didn't get the 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 full effect. But I'll get to that later. No, I, I completely understand with that. And uh, it, it's just one of those things. We can get into it, obviously. But it's mm-hmm. one of those conversations those arguments whatever you want to talk about that wrestling fans podcasters alike have constantly said okay they have everybody has their own opinion on it and it's like okay well 
I think he's doing pretty well for himself and he did pretty well for himself, regardless on whether he's a face or a heel um, because he let, he was in the company for so long. Um, mm-hmm. But later this year, after WrestleMania 15, he would end up turning back to heel in June on raw. And uh, it's just maybe kind of change the scenery kind of thing. See what happens. But uh, 2002 October, he officially gets traded to SmackDown. So that's something that you guys really, both of you respectively, you're both around the SmackDown brand at this time, mm-hmm. full time for the most part. You see him coming in. It's got to be like, oh, okay, we got the big man coming in. He's facing Brock Lesnar for the title coming up. He's in the feud with him. That's got to be a you know an easy feeling when you see somebody that you've worked with for a little bit here, right? Yeah, the, 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 sorry again, Brian. There, there's a comfort zone because especially the way he treated, uh, as Brian said, him and and myself, he treated us with respect and and he respected the the role of the referee as well. And like I said, it's not about us in the ring; it's about us helping them tell their story. And he understood that, and 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 didn't uh, you know like brush brush off anything or any even suggestions he would even ask at times he said what do you guys think do you think this will work here and it'd be like wow this is cool he's asking me <laughs> you know what i mean but also trading him to the blue brand who the leader of the blue brand was who the undertaker exacto mundo and uh, you know who better to have under that tree than the big show under the undertaker learning tree do you want to bet money that that wasn't designed like that yeah Mm-hmm. And then, and, yeah and that was you were looking into my i think you're looking at my notes too brian because that was that was kind of be my next question for you guys it's like like you said jimmy you know uh, the undertaker's like you know the man he's the man that you, a lot of stuff has to go by on smackdown at this time in 2002 and going forward do you think that he would kind of you know he was kind of you know going out there saying hey i want the show on uh on smackdown Jimmy? No, what, I, what I'll tell you is this. Uh, he had three guys that were huge supporters of the big show, and I know this for a fact. And we can go into this further than the third count, or we can just listen to it and move on. But I know for a fact. And if I name these three names to you, which I already named one, which is The Undertaker, mm-hmm. all right? Kurt Angle was another huge fan of the big show. He adored that man. And JBL, mm-hmm. all three of those guys were huge, huge, huge Big Show supporters and loved that guy. So with that being said, and the reason why I'm bringing that up is because all of the things we talked about prior, which were the 10-year contract for millions and millions of dollars, whatever it may be, these guys knew that they could that he could put money in their pocket. They understood the deal. The deal is this. You can't just win money and make money on your own without support or without a character or without a supporting cast. They got it. They weren't stupid. They realized this guy could be a big money draw, and they didn't hate the fact that he signed a 10-year contract. They probably loved that he did because they thought down the road for them, working programs, doing the right things, teaching them the right things, could bring money to the company and themselves. That's what I thought was very, very smart. And and you know what? What better three guys could you want mm. to be your supportive team? My God. 
Yeah, incredible. I was just going to say that too, Brian. It's a, well, this is the mind reading show. Look, <laughs> look at look at the four names you just named on the SmackDown brand: Undertaker, Kurt Angle, JBL, and the Big Show. And that's not to mention other names that came later, like a John Cena and stuff like that. What a incredible roster on that brand, you know. And you know, we we had the, our friendly rivalry. I want to say friendly rivalry with the Raw guys. Saying you know our brand is better than yours and that's like that and look but look at look at who we had, that was incredible, and and again, who better to learn from than an Olympic gold medalist, the, the dead man, and you you've talked to JB you know JBL, man this guy as funny as he is and as as much as he could rip people he is one of the smartest guys when it comes to this business. So Jimmy, I have a question for you. Mm-hmm. Oh, I just want to see if you come up with what I think, but, and you may come up with something better than I don't think, but anyway, so not guys that were already established on the SmackDown brand and it's not the big show. So I'm not trying to throw you a trick question. Mm-hmm. What transition wrestler came from raw to SmackDown? Do you feel was the biggest, not a team, just a guy. The, the biggest transition over. Oh my goodness. Wow. If I tell you what I think, you'll you may think differently after you tell me your answer. I, I don't know what your answer would be, but I'm just going to tell you. I, you know what? It was so I'm trying to think, man, because uh, we also had like Booker on there as well, and yeah. there were some other great guys and uh, Eddie. You know, so you, yeah. hmm? That's maybe you Eddie, maybe Eddie. I think I felt, and, and I could be wrong, but I just I, I just think that the shift happened for us mm-hmm. when Jericho. Got shipped oh. over. Ah, uh, yes, that's definitely. There's a guy who who gets uh, undervalued. Let's put it that way. You well, know, I, because Raw was Jericho for a long time. Absolutely, absolutely. And when we got him, and I know we're talking about Big Show, but Big Show was part of it, so we got that's mm-hmm. why it ties in. But we got him, and then shortly thereafter, we got the Dudleys. Yes. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that's when we finally weren't like in our in our minds when we were in competition where we're getting some 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 pull here. Like SmackDown yeah. was getting some names. You yeah. know what I mean? I don't know. It was just uh, something off the cuff there. Just wanted to see what you thought. No, that's cool. No, I just, see again when you bring it up, it, it it jogs a lot of memories. And yeah, that was a great time, man. That was mm-hmm. an absolute great time. Yeah, a feud. I mentioned to it when we started talking about when he got um, traded over here to SmackDown in 2002 is uh, Brock Lesnar. Mm. Um, I, I know you guys got a lot of uh, work, able to work with him quite a bit. Do you think that, yeah, I, I like this feud because, you know, two of the strongest dudes of all time, literally, mm-hmm. going at it. Uh, you know, it would culminate there at Survivor Series. He's facing for the title. And, you know, <laughs> even I'm surprised I'm still saying Paul Heyman in 2002 is a manager and now he's managing, you know, Roman Reigns. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, he's flipping flopping. He's, you know, he, he, he's turning on Le- or on Lesnar. He's turning on show. Do you think uh, Paul was the right guy? Paul Heyman, that is, to be associated with a big show? Paul Heyman is the right guy for anybody, dude. Yes. Right. Okay. Right. He can do anything. So, no, that was the perfect move. That's like mm-hmm. this. All right. We don't know what to do with him. So let's put him with Paul yeah. because Paul's going to make him another at another level. Paul, 
is man I, I i i would love to do a show on paul Heyman and have him on mm -hmm. my god uh but yeah mm -hmm. <laughs> but no absolutely it's the right thing to do there was no one else what else, who else do you put with somebody like big show at this point i mean really you're you're, you're kind of not looking at a direction and you don't know what direction to go you put it with Heyman. That, that that's mm -hmm. a no-brainer yeah I don't I don't know what you can add to that because like you said Brian if you want to put somebody if you want to get somebody over Paul Heyman that's what he does he gets others over because he knows he doesn't draw tickets he doesn't draw eyes but people want to see him and hear him yes talk about whoever he is representing Absolutely. So Paul is the, the was the absolute right choice in that case so one thing that a lot of people um don't know about show is his promo abilities um, and i want to play one promo here before we get to um to our third count here and we talk about a couple of, of the matches that you guys were a part of that involved the big show um mm -hmm. so let me play that for you and we'll get uh you get your thoughts on it real quick i don't give a crap about being loved i don't even care about being liked is all empty garbage all of it you know what my legacy has been up to now is being a fool they wanted me to be some big smiling freak it made everybody happy oh he's funny oh he's a klutz oh he's fat yeah i'm fat i'm fat and fed up I saw a chance to make a deal, and I took it. So for once in my entire life, I can go out and finally do what I want to. I'm not playing nice anymore. I don't give a about anybody's feelings. It made me feel good to beat down this cheap knockoff of what the world wants me to be. 18 years of being suppressed, 18 years of holding back, 18 years of doing meaningless crap that somebody else wanted me to do. Now it's everybody else's turn to feel my pain. I'm not an entertainer. I'm not somebody that makes you happy. I'm a giant. I'm not an entertainer. I'm a giant. So that goes to show you just the uh, ability that show has to really pull you in, whether you hate him, whether you like him, it doesn't matter. And I think that was really, to me anyways, that was my favorite big show character where he was that nasty heel that would, he didn't care. Yeah, and it, it it's it goes back to that old saying that it felt real, it felt authentic, and it felt like this is the giant monster I want to see destroy people. But at the same time, I don't want to see him destroy it. My heroes, I hope he destroys the bad guys. But then again, if he starts destroying some of my heroes, uh, I I don't know if I could like him. It it, it was it was that you know that conflict in the in the audience. They wanted to see this out of him. They wanted to see this ruthless aggression come out of him, 
But at the same time, it was like, but I want to see him utilize it against, you know, others, not my favorites. <laughs> and I, I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was a great promo, like I said, because it felt genuine. It felt authentic. And the crowd probably felt the same thing. No, this was real. This was real. And that's why this was so good. This is what I was wanting to talk about. This was the big show that they missed on. This right here. This should have been the big show all along. I know that the you know listeners can't see the stuff that we were able to see on that video package. But he was doing a bunch of dumb shit. And they were making him doing a bunch of dumb shit. And he really felt that he was doing dumb shit. Trust me, he did. He told me that he did. This was stuff that was unnecessary. I remember this, and I can tell you right now, though, I will say this about him. He did it well. He did the dumb shit well. And the, you know, the mockery of the Hogan and all these other things he did, he did it well. It was very entertaining. That's not what I wanted to see. That's not what I wanted to see. That's not what he wanted to see. And I don't think that's what fans wanted to see. I go back to what Jimmy said earlier in the broadcast that WCW didn't know what to do with him. I think WWE didn't either at some point. And I think that finally it came to a realization. All right, guys, we got to make this guy what he is. He's a giant. I mean, come on, we got to, we, we got to do something. And I think this promo was real from him. I really truly do. And I believe that this is where they missed the boat. This is what he should have been in WWE for a long, long time. A heel, a mean, badass, big son of a bitch. That's going to kick your fucking ass. And I didn't get to see that a lot. And that's what I missed about that. I think that that was a miss for the WWE. So uh, let's send it up to our third count. We're going to talk about a couple matches that you guys were involved with, with Big Show. Uh, we'll be right back after this. This is your three count. Going back and doing the research, guys, I found a couple matches that both you and Jimmy and Brian were both a part of with the Big Show. We're going to start with you, Jimmy. Uh, we'll go back to Unforgiven 1999. This was a very... Um, We'll say interesting time in your in your career. Uh, we touched on it briefly last week at the end of the show. You're newly married here, correct? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. So you're in, and I believe this is the main event because <laughs> this is during the uh, strike mm-hmm. of the WWF referees. So you're the main event. You got you're in a six pack challenge. You have the Big Show, Mankind, Kane, Triple H, The Rock, and the British Bulldog. Holy mother of God. That had mm-hmm. to be like, okay, let's let's go, guys. <laughs> yeah, it, it was incredible. And, and again, like I touched on really quickly last week, uh, I had just gotten married. So they did the strike angle while I was on my honeymoon. And when I got back, Hunter said, Hey, Corderas or Corduroy used to call me. Hey, Corduroy, welcome back. Uh, uh, nice that you're not working right now. You're out of a job. Ha, ha, ha. And I said, Hunter, I can't go on strike. I just got married. I need the money. And he laughed. He went, ha, oh, come with me. And that's how I became the scab referee. He took me to JR. They went to creative. They said, he's a, the only regular referee that's going to break the picket line. And this is why, because he just got married. He can't, you know, go on. He's not going on strike. <laughs> so that's how I got put in this match uh, to referee this match. And um, I got pulled out of the match. Let's put it that way. Uh, yeah, that was big, that was very interesting to see that. But go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, no. It was a uh, uh, big show. Was the one who picked up Mick Foley, choke slammed him, 
covered him. And as I began to count, before this, let, let me, the other referees, striking referees came out and were heckling me from ringside. And they were, you know, really distraction. But after the choke slam on Mick, I went down to count. My legs were a little too close to the ropes. I got pulled out of the ring and they were giving, they were jaw jacking me, jaw jacking me. I got shoved around and uh, a veteran referee by the name of Earl Hebner throws the punch, puts me down. And then I got the boots put to me. And Kyoto, I still owe you a few receipts from that one. <laughs> yeah, that was, I had to bring that up. I'm like, oh man, because I know, and I was also watching this because I wanted to bring this up too. I was watching, um, what was it? Invasion? And that was mm-hmm. when, um, what would we say? That was during your M&M stages, Brian, I guess we could say with your bleach blonde hair. Uh, and you, when you came- Why do you always joke with me about that? Well, because I had it too, and that's probably yeah. But you still have the hair after that. I don't. Mine fell out after I, I bleached my head. I was just getting ready to say. I don't think either one of y'all need to be talking about what kind of hair I had back then. Because I had hair, and I still have hair now. Hello. <laughs> you don't hear <laughs> but, me talking about it. Uh, but, you're right, if you, right, Jimmy. Because you're, you're you're a class act. <laughs> this guy over here. But if you use the promo code when you go to manscaped.com/slash ruffin. You get 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com. And you can remove all that unnecessary body hair mm-hmm. with Manscaped. Oh, trust I, me, go, it's great. I, I, I got guys. I got my, the, the Schaefer, Schaefer boxers in or whatever you mm-hmm. get, get shaped yeah, or whatever. Yeah. yeah. I got four pair. I think four, I think it would be more anyway, four or five. Holy Moses. I, I would actually do the un. These the, the send with these things. I would wear them a week. Fuck it. Because they feel so good on my shaved balls. It's not even funny. I mean, I am now shaving my balls twice a week. And you know why? Because I don't have to worry about anything. Nothing but nice, smooth balls. And obviously other areas as well. But if you're not getting manscaped, you're 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 missing the boat, and so is your wife, girlfriend. Mm-hmm whatever you may have, you're missing the boat because you need to get that clean, that is just that clean shaved and then put those pant, those, those boxer briefs on. Oh my God. I don't have swamp ass anymore when I wear those. I mean, it's just incredible. Incredible. Like I, I love landscape. I, I, I want to see if I can work for these guys. Fuck. They're so good. Oh man. And like you said, Brian, it's not, it is for you, but it's not as much for you as it is for your better half. Let's put it that way. They enjoy it more than you do. Well, they like I said last week, if you were paying attention, it kind of doesn't make it bigger, but it appears bigger. You got to get that shit off you, man. And Manscaped's the way to do it. And I can tell you, I don't, I've never realized I didn't like my balls clean like that. I was just in the famous words of JR, nothing more needs to be said at this time. Manscaped. I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm just I, I don't, I don't, I don't, I'm just kind of surprised that I don't know how fast your hair grows, but Christ, twice a week, Brian, Christ, <laughs> it just feels so good, man. <laughs> and it just keeps it off. I mean, oh god, oh, as you get older, gray, you don't know that. As you get older, you get things get gray. You know, I'm not, I'm not a gray guy, and I see gray. But yeah. by the way, I hate the, I hate the backtrack since we brought it up. Uh, now that I thought of it. After getting taken out of that six-pack challenge match, thank you to Stone Cold Steve Austin for finishing the job for me. Yeah, he uh yeah, get went, he was, wait, he, wait, yeah, wait, he was doing way to get us out of that, Jimmy. 
There you go. You get that segue. I uh, know, but he was at ringside for this doing commentary with JR and, yeah. and, and King. And yeah. I, I couldn't remember at this time. Why was he? I, I tried going back and watch it, but why was he on commentary? Do you remember? I wish I could. I got beat up so bad. I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> there's, those, there's those rough bumps, man. Uh, yeah. But no, it, it was just one of those matches where it's like, hmm. was there much talk? about it before were they or obviously these are at this point they're fairly you know pretty good veterans at this time in 99 i would think but mm-hmm. is there much talk backstage before the match happens or are they calling it in the ring jim jimmy uh, well the, there's a lot of uh we need to do this we need to do that but at the same time there's a lot of okay we'll get the heat here and sometimes mm-hmm. it's like they'll figure it out out there um uh, because it was pay-per-view there was a little more structure to the match ahead of time because it is pay-per-view, but at the same time, these guys uh, we did go into business for themselves when they thought the time was right. Yeah. <laughs> <Is> it, really? <laughs> so, <laughs> so, is this the best the show ever looked at this time? In his career, I, you think? I don't know if you want to say the best. Uh, uh, you know what? It's, it's not about... Uh, see, w- the promo you played mm-hmm. and that big show, I thought, was the best iteration of the big show because that's the that's the one i wanted to see all along unfortunately we got it a lot later in his career but at the same for me that was the best big show look don't get me wrong he looked great for a guy you know his size being able to do some of the stuff he did but at the same time putting the entire package together as with character i thought that uh, angry giant angry monster was was the best iteration of the big show for me you know big big show to me only went through a one phase where he was Heavier than probably what he should have been and probably what he wanted to be. Mm-hmm. Other than that, I, I always felt like he he was in decent shape for such a big guy. Right. And people forget, you know, I don't think they forget how big he is, but I think they forget how hard it could be for a guy that's that big. Mm-hmm. And I just feel like he only went through a phase. Why WWE? I, you know, like I said, I, I wasn't much, you know, into the WCW thing at the time when he was there. But, you know, I just felt like there wasn't, I don't think you would ever label him except for one point in his career where you were kind of like, oh, he's a little bit bigger than he used to be kind of thing. I think he kind of was always on his weight. I think he was always conscious of it. So that that's just my opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, so well, I, I, one more question is, um, and I think you already mentioned this, is who out of that those referees threw the best punch and why is it Earl Hebner? It is Earl because Earl knew how to work the bunch. He didn't, you know, that, oh, I better lay it in to make it look good. He didn't have to. He made it look good. Yeah. That's the only thing he could do good. (laughs) That's why I thank goodness he was the one who threw the punch that took me out. And uh, uh, like I said, uh, the other guys, I guess, Kyoto felt that he was kicking 48-yard field goals. I don't know what the heck. (laughs) Well, you – well, Jimmy, you remember the WCW angle. You remember when we came down with the Nick Patrick match, Nick mm-hmm. Patrick and Earl Hebner. Um, right. I think that's when all that animosity came out when it came to Chad Patton and uh, Jack Doan when they <laughs> fucking took laid, me out. Like, laid you out. Yeah, that's well, where I was going with the other one. I'm like, I, I, I actually rewinded and played it back and forth. I, I actually, Brian, I showed Gavin. I said, hey, watch this. Brian's going to get laid out. Come here, come here, come here, come here, come here, come here. It's like, yeah, well, what they didn't know, what they didn't know at the time, which I like the guys, so don't get me wrong, I'm just saying, but they didn't know that I wasn't a bitch. So you, that yeah. didn't hurt. Whatever. Well, you, I just you, sold. You, you, you sold it like a champ. I'll give you that much. I, I'm a worker. 
there you go. <laughs> yeah, but I will say this: you talk about guys you don't want to get chopped by, or, uh, in you know they talk about so and so and so and so. Big show you don't want to get chopped by. Let me put it that way. So yeah, I heard there was an interesting. <laughs> I heard there was interesting story from uh, was it Ireland? You had yeah, had in, we were, run in with him with that. Well, well it wasn't a run in. It was we were two nights in Belfast. So after the first <laughs> night, after the first night, we were in the bar drinking very late, and then the bar closed down. But the hotel was nice enough to bring us some drinks into the lobby, and we took over the lobby. So we were there all night playing the the chop game. Guys were cutting cards, and low men got chopped. I wasn't a part of the game. I was kind of like back drinking and laughing at everybody getting chopped. Finally, Jimmy, Jimmy, yeah. Jimmy, I don't want to cut you off. I was there. Yeah. I got chopped too. Yeah. You got, by we were playing cards. No, yeah. No, but I, like you were playing there. You were play, playing. I was watching and laughing. And Fit finally said at one point, okay, Jimmy, you and I are going to cut cards. And I'm thinking, oh, geez, I don't want to get chopped by fit, but I'm not going to say no to fit. So we cut cards. I end up losing. And just as I lose, bing, the elevator dings. Show comes walking out. He's going to do an early morning appearance at some TV show for the, to, to promote the, the next night's show. And he goes, I'm passing my chop off to Big Show, Fit says. And I'm like, pardon me? So he says, show, come here. He says, show, chop Jimmy. And so he says, what? Chop Jimmy, uh, you know, he lost or whatever. He says, okay, Jimmy, move that crucifix you got around your neck or it's going to get embedded. So I, you know, took it, put it around the back. Next thing you know, he winds up, chop. And if it wasn't for the furniture in the lobby, I would have been outside on the street. I have <laughs> never, I, I almost felt like I wish I would have been hit by a car. Would have hurt yeah. less. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I can tell you, man. There, there's a story that I've told that you probably may have heard or not. I don't want to tell it again because I've told it on my show already mm -hmm. so many times. But mm -hmm. just uh, to, to light fast story, there was a kid that wanted to say that what we did was fake. Mm -hmm. And I'm very, very, very protective of that word because I think that's the terrible word to use what we do. Uh, entertain, choreographed is something I could deal with, but fake is not the word I like to hear. And that kid used that name and uh, – we were going to do a chopping contest and I go told him to go ahead and chop me. I pulled my shirt off. He chopped me. And it was, Oh, it was fucking weak. And, uh, so I, he said, it's your turn. I said, no problem. And I, he, I didn't tell him I was going to chop him and big show was at the other side of the bar. So I pulled big show and I said, Hey, big show need you to chop him. The guy said, you didn't say that. I said, well, it's fake. It doesn't matter who does it. Right. So anyway, long story short, big show about made him have a heart attack because his hand went through his chest. And, uh, that guy, believe it or not, bought, bought uh, many drinks for the rest of the night. But anyway. Mm. Well, because he probably passed out and you guys went through his wall then, right? He, he probably didn't realize what he was doing. He just probably protecting yeah. his chest and buying all these drinks to put them on his chest for, for ice. Oh, yeah. He was he was the human cooler. Yeah. Um, but uh, something that you ended up working with, show that I, I saw was a fairly good match, Brian, was from 2005. It was a Royal Rumble. Um, uh, Roy Wimbles this weekend, so I wanted to touch on this too as well. Uh, it was Big Show versus JBL versus Kurt Angle for the title. Um, three of the better workers of all time, especially there on the SmackDown brand. Um, and like you guys, he said it previously, it's like three guys that when you see SmackDown in this era, you think these three guys. Um, do you think that these and, and this is for both of you, um, 
but I'll send it over to you first, Brian. Is do you think these guys complemented each other very well? Well, absolutely. I touched on it earlier. Um, they all cared about each other. They all cared about their characters. They all cared about getting each other over. They put particular segments of moves together to get one another over. They put certain movements and body parts and pieces to make a match make sense and make and get one another over. That's what they did. And they did it very well. If you go back and watch this match, everyone gets over in this match. Every single person. That's the way it's supposed to be done. It's not supposed to be done where everybody flips and flops and flops and flies and flies and flips uh, where you don't even know what's going on in the match. There was storytelling and there were things that would happen in this match and moving parts where everyone got their character and their storyline over moving forward after this match was over. Absolutely. You couldn't have said it any better, Brian, because it's it's it was like we talk about all the time. You can get you can go over and get over without going over. That's absolutely And right. that's exactly what happened here. Everybody got over, despite the fact only one person went over in this match. And that's the, the beauty of it. And like I said before, the referee helps them tell their story. And I thought, Ryan, you did a wonderful job of helping these guys tell that story. And I appreciate it, Jimmy. And here's another thing. You know, you, when you have a match that's structured the way that they did it and the way that it's supposed to be done, nobody even remembers really who really won, to be honest mm -hmm. with you. They're worried about the next phase on TV, the next story, the next thing. Sometimes they'll remember, sometimes they won't. It just depends, but that's not the important factor in, in a match like this. So just so well done. Right. Yeah, this was the era JBL came in as a champ, and it's by somehow, some way, he left the champ. Um, and I think this was that era where, like you said, we were the show's a part of the or excuse me, the show is about the big show. But just to talk about JBL for a second, this is that time where dude was over. People hated him. Good, bad, and different. This was around the same era. You know, this is what, 2005, early 2005. He's coming off his matches with, with Eddie. You know, mm -hmm. he's got his show, his matches here with Booker coming up with Taker. He's facing all the top guys. He's the man on SmackDown. And, and I think a lot of people don't, you know, it, it, you go back to that ECW one night stand when Heyman says, Oh, well, JBL was only champion for a year because triple H didn't want, when didn't want to work Tuesdays or Thursdays, whenever it was at that time. <laughs> and I'm like, that's no, oh, okay. Maybe, but it's just like, dude still got over. Like you said, Jimmy, you don't have to, you know, go over to get over. And like you said, he got over as a heel. He mm -hmm. wasn't he wasn't trying to play the cool heel that people go, you know what? I want to boo this guy, but he's so cool. I can't boo this guy. Yeah. He loved hearing the boos. And every time he heard the the audience boo him, especially when you heard his music, ding 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 ding, bum bum bada bum bum. All of a sudden the place went, you know, the the arena filled with boos. He loved that and he fed off that and he just wanted to hear more of it. He, he did. And I, you know, I, I, and I brought this up before, uh, you know, I was sitting in a bar with him one night. It was just me and him drinking. We were in Texas and uh, we were uh, just me and him. It was a Texas football game, college football game. We found this little college bar we were at and me and him went there and, and Jimmy, I sat there and asked him straight up to him. I said, dude, you're so over as a heel. You're so heated and mad. No one likes you. 
you know what that means, right? He was like, Ebner, don't you even fucking say it. I'll never be a baby face. I'll never be one. Fuck baby faces. I'm a heel and fuck baby faces. But could you imagine what would have happened if he would have actually did that heel turn? My goodness. He probably could have been the biggest baby face. I know. What a miss there, right? Mm-hmm. Well, uh, miss, yes, uh, potentially. Uh, I guess now we'll never know. Right. We'll never know. <laughs> yeah, but the thing is, though, what would, what would you have done with him, though? That's the thing. Who's that heel that he could have gone against? You know, would he gone over to Raw? You know, because mm-hmm. I don't think he was the heel on SmackDown. I don't think he would have really, you know, unless you turn somebody mm-hmm. else, you know, you do a double switch. You ready? You want the short answer? You make the big show the guy they should have made begin, to begin with. There, there you go. Big monster. And there's your there you there's your, yeah. there's there you your... flip-flop him. Yeah. 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 And ha- and ha- having been on the golf course with both of them at the same time, that, that could have been an interesting. You've been there, Heb. Oh, drinking after every putt, miss putt. Oh, my mm-hmm. God. Right. You All didn't right even you. want green. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> can I can I get a mulligan? Nope. Drink. Um but Something else that came out of that um, that Royal Rumble, and uh, Jimmy, you were a part of it too. It's it's the time that Vince McMahon tore both his quads, right? Yeah. Sli- sliding into the ring. Mm-hmm. Well, what happened really quickly was the the finish was supposed to be it was John Cena and Dave Batista left. They both go over the top. Dave was supposed to hook the top rope. John hits the floor. Dave goes over one, two, three, uh, wins the Royal Rumble. Unfortunately, Dave missed grabbing the top rope and when they landed when upon replay they couldn't have landed any closer to simultaneously at the same time but because dave was going over we were playing off the fact oh well cena landed first so jack Dorn was raising batista's arm and we heard briscoe in our earpiece or smackdown refs go over and raise john cena's hand and argue back and forth over who won so we're doing that and while they're doing that we're hearing in our earpiece too other refs in the back find Teddy Long and Eric Bischoff, the respective GMs for Raw and SmackDown, so they can come out and do the restart the match, basically, so they can go to the finish and do it properly. Right. You know, saying that they landed at the same time. They couldn't find it because uh, I hate to I hate to uh, throw these guys under the bus, but they decided to leave early because uh, they wanted to beat the traffic out. So when <laughs> Vince, Vince Vince comes storming out from the back, and we see Vince coming, and we're not seeing. The Mr. McMahon character story. We're seeing Vince, and he looks hot. You could tell the difference between uh, the Mr. McMahon hot and VKM hot. And when he dove under the bottom rope and he went to stand up, he fell back. And we're like, and he's just sitting there. And we're wondering why he's not getting up. Hey, come here. God damn it. And he's going like, so he tells us to, re, you know, what to do, restart the match and go to the finish, blah, blah, blah. And he finagles under the bottom rope and he gets to the back without any help. That's the amazing thing. We found out afterwards, obviously, that he tore the two quads. But how the heck did he go from the ring? He has to use the barricades to help, but he wouldn't take help from anyone else and managed to get himself to the back with two torn quads. What a pitiful sight that was when he did that. Oh, my goodness. And and I bugged Chad, too, because Chad was the closest one to him. And when Vince was going down, Chad backed up. And I kept saying, Chad, you let the boss fall. It's your fault. Yeah, but who? Yeah, but I would hate to be the guy. Hey, hey, hey sir, you want, you want me to help you up? So, God damn it, Gary, get away from me! Yeah, because you, you know imagine, what I was going to get. Yeah, yeah. Can you imagine trying to grab him to hold him up? Oh no. Yeah, no, no thank I you. I wouldn't. 
Now, yeah. Obviously, you were at the pay-per-view. Do you remember any part of that, Brian? Or were you, you know, you, because obviously this was the, this was the rumble after the main event. So you, I don't know, were you part of, you know, just backstage at all or no? RJ, I don't know where the fuck I was at, to be honest with you. Because um, this was in, in general or just at this, I'm joking. Um, no, no, no. I mean, I, I think Steve uh, uh, Whippleman probably got me some beer and uh, me and Sparky might have been somewhere else. <laughs> That's why the other refs couldn't find the GM. Yeah. <laughs> There was no one to find them. I was gone too. There you go. <laughs> no, but yeah, that was it, it's one of those things with the with the Royal Rumble being with Royal Rumble being Saturday. Mm-hmm. And just it, I wanted on on that just because that it was one of those memorable things that I totally forgot it when I because I went back and watched this and I'm like, oh crap, Jimmy's a part of that. I'm like, oh, I gotta ask him about that after mm-hmm. uh after the match that Brian did with him, because I'm like, it's, it's those kind of stories that you're not going to hear anywhere else, folks. You're other than here on Roughing It Up with two of the best referees of all time. That's for damn sure. Uh, but uh, yeah, that two of those matches that really you should really go back and watch Unforgiven 99, the six pack challenge with, with Jimmy, uh, and then the triple threat match there from World Rumble in that 2005 with, with Brian. So, Guys, another great episode. Um, not enough good things we could we can say about the big show. Anything yeah. else that you guys want to talk about before we talk about next week? Really we- quickly, I want to thank Big Show for everything. You know, it was it was honestly it was a pleasure to get to work with him. And and one of my greatest memories of him also is doing the tribute to the troops in Iraq and being overseas yeah. with him. It was awesome. And I think you were there too, Brian, weren't you? I was. I was there. That's yeah, the yeah. time that me and Sean went to the airport and uh, got all the booze for everybody. Oh, that's right. That's right. My goodness. And also the, the crew room. Big Show slept with us in the crew yes. room because we slept in one of Saddam's palaces and the talent was all staying in one room and they had one king size bed, which Taker obviously was he didn't have to commandeer it because everybody gave it to him. So we had we had a king size bed in the crew room as well. The rest of us slept on cots. And Jason Robinson, who was all of what, maybe five six, yes, yeah, so, who, who's who's the head of the crew, the the production crew was sleeping in the bed. Big Show comes walking into our room. He goes, "Hey guys, how's it? Go? Oh no, this ain't happening." <laughs> so Big Show slept in the king size bed in our room. Yeah, it was uh that that was uh something, man. That trip was really really something. Yeah. I've never been handed a gun, a uh, metal. I don't even know. You you, you understand? What is it called? I think a bayonet. Was it the? the, the... No, I got I got a helmet. I got a oh. I got a gun, and I got a black, black jacket. And I was like, "Why the fuck are you handed me this gun?" And we were on our way to the airport, and you have to leave two vehicles at a time. Mm-hmm. And we went to that airport, and by God, mm-hmm. I had never held such a big gun in my life like that, and didn't know why I was holding it, and. Anyway, that's another story. But anyway, we went to the we went to the airport and we got everybody booze back to the back to the plantation mm-hmm. and uh, had a good had a, had a good little trip. Yeah. So w- what year was that? Was that uh, about here? Two thousand five, four, four, four. I think oh four. Yeah. Yeah. Because that was one of the first ones. Because JBL really was JBL spearheaded that thing, didn't he? Yeah. He he was a he was very instrumental in making that happen. Yeah. And uh, I still remember. Um, uh, we did we did that when we were uh when i was refereeing the one match with eddie and uh chris benoit they didn't tell us it was going to happen but they flew two uh um aircraft over top of the ring over the uh 
outdoor stadium during oh, the match. Shit. Yeah, and they, they just flew right over and everybody stopped and stared and like, Ooh, what's going on? Then they finally had to tell us, no, that was planned. Don't worry about it. Okay. <laughs> oh, Jesus. But they wanted so, to get the natural reaction from everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they got a reaction. I don't know yeah. if that's the one they wanted, but. Um, well, they got it natural. That's for sure. <laughs> with with that match, I'm sure we'll probably talk in the future, but when you're in the ring for an outdoor arena like that, how, especially there in Iraq, how hot is that canvas? It's smoking hot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. everything's hot everything because you're basically in a desert yeah yeah but yeah there's always something because i've always watched that too and i'm like oh god I'm, I'm sure we'll talk about it eventually but mm-hmm. yeah that's something that's definitely interesting to the concept mm-hmm. um but you know something that's uh gonna be interesting next week guys uh we'll be talking about william regal um so Ooh. it's somebody that you know, one of those guys you think professional wrestling, greatest professional wrestlers of all time, Regal's up on that list as far as the, one of the most technical wrestlers of all time. Um, we're actually going to go over uh, one of the matches you did with him, Brian, um, with RVD from WrestleMania 18 um, from 2002. A very young Brian Hebner was part of that match. So we'll go Here over in that. Yeah. Yep, there there in Toronto. I remember that one very clearly. Mm-hmm. So we'll be going over that. We'll be talking about his career, like the, the associations that you had with him, Jimmy, as well, too. So we're looking forward to that. Um, anything you guys want to add about that? No, just uh, you talk about a great topic as someone who's very uh, intelligent about the business and very, very good in the ring. William Regal is awesome. Yeah, no doubt. I would, I, you know, one word from him for me is, just freaking physical, man. Oh yeah, intense and uh, yeah. I I I wouldn't want to learn wrestling and get in the ring with him. That's for sure. <laughs> well, you definitely get stretched. That's a damn sure. Um, but somebody that uh, you know has been doing a lot of stretching for us, and that's it's not in ring stretching. It is is fantastic, fantastic artwork. JD Hoop, keep it keep. Mind blowing all of us. Um, I a little birdie in my ear has uh, told me that he's actually working on a new, um, a new show graphic for us. Um, with uh, Mr. Jimmy Corderas part of the team now, he's gonna be part oh. of the show logo now. So, um, little birdie, hopefully, we'll, cool. hopefully, we'll have that by hopefully by tomorrow as this comes out, we'll be part of that, and you can get that wherever, uh, wherever you follow us on social media. I'll post that and tag everybody and all that good stuff but yeah man it just absolutely phenomenal i'm and can be very interested to see what he does with uh with big show this week well maybe with with jimmy on there maybe we'll sell some fucking t-shirts now <laughs> uh, there you go hey, don't put don't 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 get your hopes up too high there bro. <laughs> well they're, they're they weren't high anyways they can only get harder uh, now well like oh, i say okay. they get get, o- get over in canada at least huh get put a, a yeah 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 um, <laughs> but somebody that has been higher for us is uh you you've heard them each and every week at the beginning the end and the middle aj mckay fantastic fantastic music that he uh has for us just absolutely phenomenal he's all over he keeps on get, if, if he can if he can get any bigger he's gotten bigger i don't know how it's possible but he has you know what I, i'll say this man and and it's not because I'm a mark for our show. It's just because we have editing and all that kind of thing. Man, 
put on your favorite pair of headsets mm-hmm. and listen to that opening of our show and the segues that he's done, the, you know, the reference review, the segues to our count one, two, and three. It is intense, man. It's, it's, it's so incredibly wild to hear in headphones, in headphones. I swear. Uh, I, I just really, really do appreciate him and JD and just, I just can't stand off and, and and really mean it with all my heart that, that this this show can't go without all this kind of great stuff going on. So absolutely. I want, I'm very, I want to very, say, Yeah, I, I'm with you, Brian. I want to thank everybody for all the hard work they put in and, and allowing me to be a part of this too. It's 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 a pleasure, it's fun. I have a blast and uh, and trying to reminisce and remember stuff too, <laughs> which makes it a that's a little that's a little shady. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, let's see. If, if Earl Hebner didn't punch you in the face a couple of times, maybe you'd uh, maybe you'd remember something. Maybe I don't know, mm. but mm. yeah, maybe so. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, guys, uh, Jimmy, how can uh, people get a hold of you? Yeah, you can get a hold of me on social media at Jimmy Corderas on Twitter at Real Jimmy Corderas on Instagram and uh, on my Facebook pages. You can check out my ref and rants daily. You can check me out on Wrestling Inc. on on Monday nights reviewing Raw. And on Wednesday nights, reviewing Dynamite. And of course, you can catch me here now on Wednesday mornings, talking to you guys and having a blast. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. And by the way, Jimmy, we're we're just as happy as hopefully you are to have you with us, man. And um, we're having a good time. We're having a good time. I love it. And uh, as far as me go, uh, it's pretty simple. At Baby Hebner on both Twitter and Instagram. And uh, yeah, for me, that's about it. Yeah, so you can hit up the show's pages on Twitter, Instagram, at Reffing It Up. Head over to castby.com slash Reffing It Up. All our links are there for all the fantastic platforms we're on. Merchandise is there. Everything. You head over. You know, we'll have the links for the Manscape. You will have the link for the Underdog. Hopefully, we'll have a lot more coming soon. A couple more in the in the pipeline. Waiting to hear back from a couple people. So definitely looking forward to branching out with a lot more for you guys. But next week, William Regal, definitely looking forward to this. Guys, thank you so much for being here tonight for both you, Jimmy and Brian. And we'll see you here next week on Reffin' It Up with Brian Hebner. One, two, three.